Wow, this is a privilege, definitely yes. Let us pray, then we'll dive into the Word. Uh, Father, we, uh, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, for our Savior, the anchor of our faith. Thank you that we are uh, secure in your hands. We pray, Lord, that as we open your Word now, you would speak to us that you, God, Holy Spirit, would apply the truth to our hearts in a way that would glorify your name, it would be of edification to the church and the advancement of the gospel here in Miami and beyond. We trust you and we love you. And Father, we ask all of this in the name of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Have you ever wondered what God is doing? Well, one of your core values as a church answers that question, and it is missions. God is on a mission. Let me give you just a definition of mission or missions. God's purpose in human history is to gather a people for himself from all corners of the world. So God is gathering his people from all corners of the world the world. And the Apostle John in Revelation 7 verses 9 and 10, he showed us that this mission is going to be a success. And that's great news. In Revelation 7 we read, I looked and behold a great multitude which no one could count from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, and palm branches were in their hands. And they cried out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. God's mission is to gather all of those whom the, for whom the Lamb of God was slain before the foundation of the world to gather them into one flock. So today we're going to see the mission of God and our part. The mission of God and your part. And for that, opening your Bibles to the book of Acts. In chapter 1, we're going to read verses 1 through 8. We're going to land in verse 8, and we're going to remain um, our time. The remaining time, we're going to stay there in that verse 8. So the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 1 says, The first account of Theophilus I composed about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up to heaven after he had by the Holy Spirit given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. Verse 3, To whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs Hearing to them over 40 days and speaking about the things concerning the kingdom of God. And gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard of from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. 
So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom of Israel? But he said to them, It is not for you to know the, for, for you to know times or seasons which the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you should be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the end of the earth. We have been saved for much more than our personal benefit. Our salvation, your salvation, is intended to glorify God by reaching the nations with the gospels, with the gospel. In 1 Peter 2.9, Peter says, you are a chosen race. And this is a verse that you probably could say by memory. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. We tend to stop there and say amen, and amen to that. But Peter continues saying, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Your life, your marriage, raising children, your education, your weekly routine has to be centered, has to revolve around this mission that we see here. The mission of God, the mission for the glory of God, the salvation of the elect, and our eternal benefit. That's why in 2 Timothy 2.10, Peter, um, Paul says, For this reason I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen, so that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus and with it eternal glory. Paul knew that the gospel was not about himself was not about the church. It was about God. The mission of God to save sinners. And as he gathered those sinners, his elect, they may go out now and proclaim the good news. Trevin Wax, speaking about this verse in Acts 1.8 says, there is no gospel-centered approach that does not lead to mission. Because the gospel is the story of a God with a missionary heart. A father who wants all to come to repentance. A shepherd who seeks and saves the lost sheep. The purpose of the word of God is to reveal God and his plan. So what, uh, what we see here in Acts 1.8 is what is known as the Great Commission, something that we find in all the Gospels and also here in the book of Acts before the ascension of Jesus Christ. And everyone in the church needs to be on mission. Now, the good news is that this mission, God, God guarantees that is going to be a success. We read in Revelation 7, and we can see it also in Revelation 5, it's just like a, a window that we look into the end of times and we see how the story ends and the mission 
ends a success. With a multitude that cannot be counted from all the nations, a multitude that the Lord Jesus Christ saved through the proclamation of the gospel. We know that Jesus will build his church. The success rests on the shoulders of God. The success of this mission, nevertheless, it is our responsibility to obey the mission of God. We must finish the work that God began. Look at verse 1. In Acts 1, 1 says, All that Jesus began to do and teach. He began a work. And you may be saying, well, isn't it redemption completed, done? Yes. Redemption has been accomplished. Now it is our responsibility, our joy, our privilege of taking that good news to the ends of the world. As we see in verse 8, that we will receive power when the Holy Spirit come upon us to take this gospel to be the Lord witnesses and take the gospel to the end of the earth. So we must finish the work that Christ began. So the command of Jesus to the church is that we be the agents and go out to gather his people as we proclaim the gospel, as we live out the gospel, as we tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ. There is something to do. You have something to do. You have something pending. Go ahead and tell the, per the person next to you you have something pending. Don't be afraid. The reason God has us here, the church, has you here, is to do your part. Now, what is your part? What is our part in the mission of God? God is on a mission, and we have a part in that mission of God. So what is your part? I want to give you two headings. Number one, live the gospel. Notice in verse 8 that says, You shall be my witnesses. God's mission does not begin outside the church. It begins inside the church, with you and with me. Why? Because mission, the mission of God is not a program. The mission of God is a fruit in the, in the life of the believer. As we have embraced the gospel, now we want others to know about the Savior. We want others to know about our great salvation. Submission is an act of worship on the part of the church. I would say it is the proper response of a grateful heart that has been impacted by the grace of God. Notice that verse 8, it doesn't say behave like a witness or act like a witness. Rather, it says be a witness. Be a witness. Why? Because being a witness of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is not something that we do on certain hours of the day or something that we do on, sun on Sunday when we gather as a church or something that we do when we go on a mission trip. It is what we, it is what we are 
as a result of having been forgiven through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are witnesses of the gospel. And at the end of the day, it is God being, or bearing witness to himself through us. Because verse 8, it says that it is God himself, God the Holy Spirit coming into our lives, empowering us to be witnesses of the gospel. Now, two things important about witness of the gospel. Notice that in verse 1, Luke says, I composed all about all that Jesus began to do and teach. Those two elements are important. Do and teach. Teaching backed up by righteous living. The gospel advances as the message is preached, communicated by believers, and lived out by believers. Why? Because a message that is not backed up by behavior has no authenticity. If we only say things about the gospel, but our lives are not reflecting what we say, there's going to be something lacking in that message. So we must not only talk about Christ, but people also have to see Christ in you, in me, in us, in the church. And this is only possible through a true relationship with Jesus Christ. This is only possible in those whom have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ and now the Holy Spirit reside in them. After the resurrection, Jesus spent 40 days with his disciples, appearing to them in different locations, different times, teaching them about the kingdom of heaven. Now, we may ask, why did Jesus do that? Think about that. He had spent three years walking with his disciples, teaching them, modeling them. Notice in verse 3 that it says, to these, to the disciples, he also presented himself alive after his suffering. So talking about the cross. And how did he present himself? By many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. So after the resurrection, Jesus did more signs that are not registered here in the Bible. But that the disciples saw and experienced, giving them convincing proof, says in verse 3, that this Christ had truly risen. Why did Jesus do that? Well, because the mission advances through people who walk with Christ. People who have become intimate with their Savior. It is said that you can only be a, a first-hand witness, right? That you cannot testify to what you have not experienced. So if you don't experience the gospel, if you don't embrace the gospel, if you don't believe the gospel 
first, what are you going to tell others about the gospel? If the gospel has not changed you, if the gospel has not saved you, of what power to save and change are you going to testify people about? That is why the mission will be fulfilled through people who walk with Christ, through people who delight in Christ, through people who spend time with their Savior, through people who live the gospel. God is on a mission, and we have a part in that mission. It's a privilege to be part of the mission. God has called us to participate, to be co-laborers in the mission. And our part begins with living the gospel. The mission of God is not a program. This is not something that we just teach in community groups or we tell people about. The Great Commission is God living in and through people who have been radically changed, through people who no longer live for themselves, whose eyes have been opened, their sins forgiven, and whose greater desire is to make the Lord Jesus Christ known among the nations. When someone loves the Lord, they want to obey the Lord. I always tell my church that uh, discipleship begins with teaching people how to love Christ. Because if you love the Lord, you want to obey Him. You want to talk about Him. And the gospel reminds us of this great mission that God is carrying out in the world through people who love Christ. They want others to know Christ. It is those who love Christ, who live the gospel. Those are the people that want to share about Christ. The gospel is not going to advance through politics, through social reforms. The gospel is not going to advance through education. The gospel is going to advance through you and through me through us, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. God is on a mission, and we have a part to play in that mission. And it starts with living the gospel. That's our part. Living the gospel. Being faithful to the Lord. There's a story of a king that had no heir. Um, he had no sons and he wanted someone to replace him when he died. So he went to town and gathered about 10 young men. And he gave to each one of those young men a pot and some seeds to, to plant. And he told them, take this pot with you and the seeds with you, plant the seeds, water them, care for them, and at the end, of one year, come back. So they all went away. And one of the young men, in particular, planted those seeds, watered them, cared for them, um, 
he, he made sure that he got enough sun, light, that it was in the right environment, but nothing was growing out of those seeds. And a friend of his says, go to the store and buy other seeds and plant them and just take that with you at the end of the year. And this young man said, no, um, that was no the instruction that the king gave us. So he didn't do that. He wanted to be faithful to what the king had told them. So at the end of the year, they all go back and they stand before the king and the king looks at all the young men and they see nine of them had beautiful flowers. So he, he, he looked at one of each of those pots with the plants beautiful and when he gets to, to the last one, it, there was this young man with his pot with nothing in it. So the king looked at him, he smiled, he grabbed him by the hand and he take him through the throne and sit him on the throne. And then he turns back and looked at the other nine and said, I gave each one of you a seed that is called the sun, uh, fire, flower, that it doesn't sprout after year one. Nothing happens within that first year. All of you lie. He was faithful. And what we see with the mission of God that we have not, we have not been called to produce results, fruits, but to be faithful to the mission, that God is on a mission. We see in Revelation 5 and 7 that this mission is going to be a success. Our part is to be faithful, to live out the gospel. God has promised that the mission will be a success. Jesus will build his church. We have to live the gospel. And in Acts 1.8, this is not a question about do you want to be a witness or do you consider to be a witness? If you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you have believed the gospel, if you have been saved, if you have understood, Stand that the gospel is for sinners and the Lord is your Savior. If you're a Christian, then you are a witness. Now, a witness is someone who testifies to the truth. He bears witness to the truth that is here. I, bumped, I, I was reminded this week when I was preparing the message about a, um, a quote that I have read it many times, but like it doesn't click when, when you um, read it. There's something missing here. Uh, maybe you have heard it before. It says, it's by Francis of Assisi. It says, preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. Have you heard that before? Okay. Well, that is well intended, but it's not accurate. Because Romans 10 says that whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? So not only we have to live out the gospel, we have to preach the gospel. And that's 
my second heading, point number two. So God is on the mission, and I have a part. What is my part? Well, not only to live the gospel, but also to preach the gospel. In verse 8, notice there is, that says, Be my, and that mind there is the Lord Jesus Christ. Be my witnesses. We must live the gospel and preach the gospel. The great commission that we find also in the other gospels reminds us of this truth that we see here. In Mark 16, verse 15 says, And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. In the gospel of Luke, in, verse, in chapter 24, verses 47 and 48, we also find the Great Commission there. It's like a, a parallel passage of Acts 1.8. It says that repentance for forgiveness of sins will be proclaimed in his name to all the nations. Beginning from Jerusalem, you are witnesses of these things. So what is my part in the mission of God? Preach the gospel. And last week you heard about the gospel. Pastor JC spoke about the gospel. Just as a reminder, in 1 Corinthians 15, the passage that you read, we read the gospel that Christ died for our sins according to scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day, according to scriptures. The gospel is a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel is God coming down from heaven to save sinners. That's what Jesus said in Luke 19, verse 10, that the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. It is God saving sinners. And that happens as we preach the gospel. So you have to preach Christ. If this is not happening, the mission is not taking place. If this is a key element in the mission of God, especially as we have friends, non-believers, friends, uh, family members, people in in school, people that we know in our neighborhood, it is easier to be likable, to be to befriend someone. But when it gets to this point, it's when we sometimes fail. It has to go beyond having a friendship. We have to get to the gospel. You have to preach the gospel. The mission will advance as you live out the gospel and as you preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul, the apostle Paul, the greatest missionary, preached the gospel in the synagogues. He preached the gospel from house to house, among the intellectuals in the marketplace. So he took every opportunity to preach the gospel. And he knew that was hard work, because in Ephesians chapter 6, he told the church, Pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth. That was the Apostle Paul. I don't know about you, but sometimes it's hard. And he says, pray that to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel 
for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. What is your part in the mission of God? Preach the gospel. That's what we see, that the Spirit of God, in verse 8, has come to reside in us for this purpose. So we may be empowered by him in order to live out the gospel. Because it is impossible to be a Christian in your own strength, right? Only through the grace of God is that we are able to obey sometimes. It is by grace. We don't make it to the end because we are better than anybody else. We make it to the end because he's holding us fast, right? That's what we were singing. And he has come into ordinary people to do extraordinary things because the Spirit of God is working in us and through us. Think about that. At the end of times, there's going to be a multitude that cannot be counted from all the nations, tribes, and tongues. And they're going to be standing before the Lamb of God and the throne because the church, empowered by God, took the gospel to the nations. So when we talk about missions or the mission of God, what is questioned in missions is not the success of missions, because we know that the success rests on the shoulders of God. It's going to happen. I tell my church, with us or without us, but it's going to happen. There's a privilege to be part of that. What is questioned is always our part. God is on a mission. The Lord Jesus Christ said in John 5 that he is always working just as his father is working, always. So the mission is happening. Time is moving towards that point in history. Now the question is, are you going to obey your part? Are you going to live out the gospel? Are you going to preach the gospel? I want to finish with this story. This is, this is a story about uh, two brothers. They both um, work in the same place. They have the same job, same responsibility, same supervisor. They have the same hours of work, the same working conditions, the same opportunities to improve, the same benefits. Let's name one of these brothers simple and the other misunderstanding. The supervisors gathered to evaluate these two workers, these two brothers, simple and misunderstanding. And they have a totally different attitude when you look at them. Simple arrives at work, uh, I'm sorry, a misunderstanding arrives every day at work, bored, bitter, without joy, he arrives late, 
He leaves early, has no friends, he complains about everything, always gossiping, criticizing everyone at work. He doesn't like his colleagues. He doesn't like his boss. He gets annoyed easily, and he's always down. That's misunderstanding. Simple is the, the opposite. He has a good attitude to work. He smiles. He arrives early. He has to stay longer. He stays. He enjoys his work. He always strives to do better. And he's attentive to his colleagues. And he's always cheerful. So what happened? One of the supervisors says, I know what happened. I know why simple behaves that way and misunderstanding in the opposite. So the supervisor goes to explain to the other supervisors what happened. When they both began to work, they were instructed to go by the office for orientation day. As soon as possible, they, sh they should go to the, to the office for orientation day. So the supervisor goes on to say, so far, Simple has been the only one that has gone to orientation day. In orientation day, he heard about the company. He heard about the founder, the sacrifice that he endured to build the company and how he had progressed to this day. He was also told what his salary was going to be. That he was going to have a month of vacation each year. That if he didn't use that month of vacation, he could accumulate vacation day. He was going to be given 30 days of sickness. All the holidays paid. And every six months, a salary raise. And that no one will be able to fire him from his position. So they went on to explain the benefits. And they told him, they told Simple, all your, on your birthday, you can take it off. And we're going to pay it. But if you decide to work, we're going to pay it double. Um, health insurance for you, for your family, all pay. Life insurance for you, stocks in the company, retirement plan, and at the end of the year, bonus in cryptocurrency. Ah, and to finish, the hour that you have spent here on orientation day, we're going to pay it to you. So the supervisor said that was the difference between simple and misunderstanding. Then simple knew who he worked for, the company, the benefits, the other one didn't.
And when it comes to the mission of God, it all comes down to how we see ourselves in light of who God is. How we have to remember how the story ends. With the multitude before the throne of God and the Lamb of God from all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, proclaiming that salvation belongs to the Lord, belongs to the Lord. So those who are, who are grateful, those who have a, a walk with Christ, intimate walk with Christ, those who are reminded every day of the grace of God and how history is moving in one direction with us or without us, those are the ones who live the gospel, who proclaim the gospel because they know that they belong to the king of kings. They belong to the kingdom of God that is advancing, that God himself is building, and that it will be established forever and ever. And we get the privilege to be part of that for the glory of his name. Let me finish with this verse just as an encouragement. I know that PRC is a faithful church when it comes to missions. You guys are an example to us in Iglesia Vertical Miami. That's why I want to encourage you with this last verse in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that all that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. 